This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I am your host, Matt Sack, and today I do not have a guest with me, but I do have very good news. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that the Courtside Connect has very big news that I had to announce, and that's because I don't have a guest with me, but I do have what is going to be the new permanent co-host for the Courtside Connect, my good friend, Scott Clark. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, you know. Uh, first episode, I'm very excited. I've never done a podcast before, but, uh, you know, me and Matt kind of talked about it, and it's kind of an honor, I'm not going to lie. And especially after the win yesterday, can't be happier. We can't have better content to talk about for our first episode, no. but a lot of the guests that I have on, and for the record, I still do plan on having guests. I want to have that connect aspect for the Courtside Connect, but... With that being said, a lot of the guests I've had on are over at Cats Coverage, so a lot of the people that know me might also know my guests, but a lot of people might not know you yet, Scott. So why don't you take a second just to introduce yourself, tell them about your connection to UK basketball and the media game and all of that. For sure. So a little background, I'm from Chicago. Uh, I'm a journalism student here at UK. I'm a junior, just like Matt. Um, um, in terms of my connections with Kentucky, I write for the Kentucky Colonel. I'm a sports writer with them. Um, I, my first two years, I worked with the SEC Network as like a cameraman. So, in terms of the UK athletics, I've been around almost every sport, whether it be camera, um, journalism. But I love UK athletics, especially UK basketball. So that's just a little bit about me. Yeah, and the Courtside Connect is my baby. I created it, and I've grown to having a quite a good following right now. So I wouldn't let just anyone hop on permanently. So I'm really happy to have you here. But with that being said, let's talk about our dominant performance. Um, yesterday, an 18-point win at Kansas. I think it's our first win in the fog since 1983. It's our first top-five road win since we beat number four Louisville. With, uh, I believe it was 2014, but it was that 2014-15 season. Mm -hmm. What are your just overall takeaways, not going into individual performances yet? What's just your big takeaways from that game as a whole? This team is good. Like, I mean, I know that's kind of self-explanatory, but... A lot of people, you know, they were kind of questioning, you know, why haven't we had a big road win? Um, you know, injuries play a part with that. But I think when we have a team that's fully healthy, everyone can see that Kentucky is a top five team at least and they're a Final Four contender. Now, I remember you texted me during the game and we went up. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was like 20 to 10. It was when, it was when uh, Keon had that, like, kind of put back um, on the re It was 25-13, I remember. It was 25-13. We go up 12 and everything was going our way. I think Colin Grady hit a big three somewhere in there. We were getting steals. Um, there weren't a bunch of crazy foul calls going to Kansas like we might originally have anticipated. Oscar hasn't fouled out of the game yet. <laughs> we're just kind of thinking, like, are things almost going too well? Like, yeah. yes, we're up 12. There's no such thing as playing too well, but literally everything that could have gone our way went our way. So just from the beginning and from the start, what were you seeing from a team that we were executing so well? I mean... Just, I think we were just tougher than them in the first. I think we set the tone in terms of physicality. Um, I know Billis and Dan Schulman, they're talking about a lot how Kansas was getting into the paint, but they weren't converting because, you know, we had 
two, three guys in the paint at all times were getting in their way, were, you know, kind of roughing them up. And I think as the game went on, as we started to extend the lead, you didn't see Kansas really hit the paint anymore because they knew, oh, you got Oscar, you got Keon, you got Toppin down there. And they were really setting the tone, so. Absolutely. So it's kind of crazy that this is a few games, in a, or I guess two games in a row, that we go into a top five team in the country on the road in a hostile environment. The crowd is going crazy, and we just punch them in the mouth the first ten minutes of the game. Like against Auburn, it was the first nine minutes up till Tai got hurt. I think we we're up nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we were up ten to twelve about ten minutes in, and then we stayed on the gas, going up fifty-one to thirty-one at halftime. So. Again, you could attribute this hot start to exactly what you said. We, we set the tone. The team does not go in and play Kansas basketball style. They don't play to guard Kansas. They don't play to guard Auburn. They play to make other people have to guard Kentucky. They set the tone. They do what they are going to do. Um, going into some like individual performances, obviously the past couple games we didn't have Ty-Ty. We lost to Auburn. I think because of that, personally, I think we beat Auburn if Ty Ty stays in. Absolutely. I think we even beat them, even if Ty Ty leaves, but Sabir stays in. But that is another uh, conversation, obviously. And then, against Mississippi State, Iverson Molinar got everything that he wanted, put up 30, and forced the game into overtime, even though we were by far the better team and at home. Ty Ty Washington came in here today, and a shot wasn't falling. One of nine from the field, all four from the three-point line, but he did a lot of other things well that show why he should be a top 10 pick in the draft and shows why he is one of like the best players in college basketball period what did you see from him today i think on in terms of his performance and like you said he did not shoot the ball well at all and i kind of expected that in terms of first game back from injury but on the defensive end he does so many things he had three steals but like beyond the box score the way that he fills gaps, lanes, he did a very good job of containing Ochai. Um, you know, we, the plan with Ochai, shout out to Calipari, that defensive plan of whenever Och gets the ball, two guys on him practically, they've made him, you know, crowded. And I think Ty Ty, he did a very good job. And I think coming in when he came to Kentucky, that's kind of one of the knocks on him is he didn't seem engaged defensively. And that could not have been farther from the truth because he's turned into a really damn good defender. Yeah, so if you go all the way back to the first game of the year, Ty Ty Washington played his worst game of the year, probably the worst oh, yeah. game of what will be his career. He shot like 3 of 14. I think he only had 9 points. But it wasn't that the shots weren't falling. It's that when his shot wasn't falling, he stopped creating for others and forcing for himself to try to get a shot going. He was turning the ball over, putting up bad shots, not getting assists. And he let Trevor Keels, I think that was like his main guy that he was guarding. It was, yeah. Trevor Keels had the best game of his life, like putting up 25, 24, I don't remember exactly what it was, but Trevor Keels went crazy on Ty Ty Washington. I remember after that game, I was like, the story, the the connection I always make to Anthony Davis, like at the 2012 National Championship game, Anthony Davis shot one for 10, but he was the Final Four's most outstanding player because of everything else he did. And the first game, Ty Ty Washington didn't shoot the ball well, but he didn't make up for it with anything else. He had bad decision-making, he forced shots, didn't create for others, and he didn't play defense or rebound that well. Tonight, his shot wasn't falling, but again, he contributed in so many ways. Like I said, he had three steals on the defensive end, but steals are kind of like, it's kind of like an interception stat to me, like a cornerback. Like, if you're a cornerback, 
and you're getting interceptions, that's good, but the pass deflections and just a quarterback not even targeting that wide receiver, you know, because you're locking them down so well, that's really good as well, and that doesn't show up in the stat sheets, but that's what Ty Ty Washington was doing. Like, his man, he was locking down, so he was filling gaps. I think Kellen Grady was the main guy for the most part getting out shy, but Ty Ty was the guy to help onto him and then have to sprint back and guard after they pass out of the double team. So. And one thing with Ty Ty, <clears throat> like Kansas, they're they're a guard dominant team. Um, Christian Brown, he's really good. I mean, he's a first round pick. I've seen a lot in the mock drafts. He's good. Um, and five for eleven, one from three, or one for three from three. I mean, those are mediocre stats. He's a guy that can go off. And the fact that Ty Ty was able to contain him, I mean, props to Ty Ty for that as well. Not just his work on Oach, but also Brown as well. And absolutely, and Saver Wheeler led the way at point eight assists on three turnovers. Tata Washington had five assists himself. So to be that secondary ball handler, and he ran a lot of point guard down the stretch late in the fourth quarter too, especially when we went in that scoring drought. Like they switched to the zone. We actually took Saver Wheeler out just to help space that court a little more and get a taller point guard that could pass over, you know, different zone looks that we were getting thrown against. And he ended the game with five assists and only one turnover, so great all-around game from Ty Ty Washington, but the man of the hour absolutely has <laughs> to be key on Brooks. Our and boy. <laughs> I, I remember just texting you as he was doing what he was doing, and it's like, for for, the, for y'all that don't know, you should probably know this with me, but me and Scott are two of the biggest key on Brooks defenders in like the Big Blue Nation. Like mm-hmm. I've been saying from the start, I feel like this guy can have an all-SEC type of year. He can be an all-American type player just because of not only can he, we see the high-scoring games like we've seen today, he can be a glue guy. He could rebound a bunch. He can get you a bucket when you need it. He could even pass out of the post. He can do so many things well, but he did one very particular thing at an elite level tonight. Why don't you talk a little bit about Keon Brooks' game? I mean, the stats kind of speak for themselves. 27 points, 9 for 16 from the field, over one from three. But my big thing is 9 for 10 from the free throw line. Um, There's that stretch where he scored, what, 15 straight? It was 15 straight points in the second half. And most of them came from the line. And, you know, I kind of talked about it earlier. He was setting the tone with his physicality, his energy. And a lot of Big Blue Nation, they they say that Keon's, like, soft. I've seen that a lot. And I just – I don't get where that narrative comes from because he's really not soft. Um, But the fact that he was able to get to the line that much, I mean – no one else shot more than two free throws, and Keon shot 10 on Kentucky. So the fact that he was just able to get to the line that much, put the ball in the hoop, provide that energy, um, I'm really proud of him. And, you know, I think I think Cal said that after the game, that they don't win that game without Keon, and that's completely correct. So Yeah, as much as we won by Keon was absolutely the reason for the win and the gap of the win. So like you said, that 15 straight points, Oscar Shibway got like a little – a little like short jumper to go in the paint to start off the half. Then I went Keon Brooks mid-range jumper. Keon Brooks pair of free throws. Keon Brooks made free throw and missed free throw. Keon Brooks free throw, free throw. Keon Brooks free throw, free throw. Um, and then he actually got subbed out of the game and we don't score for a little bit. But he just was absolutely. And then as soon as he gets checked back into the game, he makes another jumper himself. So. 15 points in a row and 15 of the first 17 points for Kentucky to start the second half. Like, if we don't have him in the game, we have another one of those huge scoring droughts where we just don't score for 10-plus minutes that we saw at LSU after 
I remember Kellen Grady had a bunch of threes coming out of half, and we got a lead back, but then we don't score for the next 10 minutes. That did not happen this game at all, and that's where I really see Keon Brooks being really useful for this team down the stretch, because Oscar's a guy you can play down throughout the stretch, but I don't feel like he is a dominant low post guy. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like where he gets his dominance from is on the glass, and he is elite at that, and he's, I believe, a great interior defender as well. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely a really good throw-it-in-the-post guy, but he I don't think he's like the best of the best where you can continuously throw it in the post because also he really struggles in double teams. Mm-hmm. Like, when he draws a double team, he's not good at passing out of them. It seems like he almost freezes a little bit. His IQ, his IQ in terms of, because he is relatively new to the game of basketball, his IQ, you could tell, when he gets the ball and he's doubled, he sometimes does struggle to pass the ball out of the post. Um, in terms of like his low post scoring, though, like I think the best low post guy right now is Kofi. Um, but, I mean, Oscar, he's a very serviceable low poster. I mean, Dave McCormick is not a bad defender by any like stretch of the imagination. And Kofi had, or not Kofi, Oscar had his way. So, um, and you kind of reference the mid-range. I mean, I have a couple friends that go to Kansas, and they're at the game, and they're like, what the hell, Oscar can shoot mid-range? I was like, yeah, like he's been with the whole year. And I, I, we were kind of texting my uh, buddy, like, how Huggins, Bob Huggins held him back. Like, just to see the growth that Oscar's taken from, I'm not going to count his sophomore year, but his freshman year at West Virginia to now, in terms of his offensive game. It's 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 leaps and bounds better than what it used to be. So, I absolutely agree with that. I, I I don't mean to like crap on Oscar when I say he's not like an elite low post scorer. No, my my whole point is that I mean you just go through the rest of our roster. Like Colin Grady, great at knocking down threes, same as way as Davion Mintz, but they're not like guys that are going to go and create their own shots no. for the most part. They're guys that are going to catch it off like plays from Xavier Wheeler tied to Washington that they create for them. And same thing with Xavier Wheeler. He's more of a pass-first point guard. He's mm-hmm. not a guy that's going to get his own shot. Ty Ty Washington has really been our only guy at this point that can go and create his own shot. So when either he is out of the game and hopefully is never injured again, or it's just <laughs> having, a, yeah, having a little bit of a off night that he has had, like he was last night, he shot one of nine. Who do we go to down the stretch? And don't say Shane Sharp because we don't know if he's going to play <laughs> or not. Again, like, you love Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware, but they're not the answers. You sure not Lance? <laughs> We're definitely going to talk about Lance because oh, yeah. how about Lance Ware? But Keon Brooks, he's like that guy that you can give the ball and he'll go and get not necessarily a low post. He can work on the low post, but almost like a mid to high post, and he'll get that mid-range jumper that mm-hmm. he likes. He can cut to the rim and get to the foul line or finish in traffic. That's a guy that could be our secondary scorer when that could create their own shot down the stretch in that second half like we saw. Mm-hmm. If Ty Ty Washington's shot is not going, and he per, per, he executed it to absolute perfection. One thing about Keon, too. Last year, he was the best. He was definitely our best driver of the ball. And you kind of had to take that with a grain of salt because last year's team, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but you know what I mean. Um but the man, if you, I, I trust Keon in a one-on-one situation. But Billis referenced it in the game. Keon's off-ball movement yesterday was insane. Most of those mid-ranges that he got, either the play was broken down, Severe was driving, and you just see Keon slip, get by his defender, get to that foul line, Severe finds him, boom, automatic. And that's the biggest thing with Keon is sometimes I feel like he gets the ball and he's like, all right, you know, like I'm just gonna pound the ball a couple times. 
put my back into someone, and then, well, what do I do now? But if he can get that off-ball movement that he did, you know, yesterday, I mean, you see what can happen. I, I trust him shooting those mid-ranges all game long if they're open, so credit to him on that. Yeah, and there was a tweet that came out by um, everyone's favorite uh, UK media member that seems to be causing drama every once in a while. And I like Matt, so this is not me taking a shot at him, but he put out a tweet saying, Kentucky by far takes the most mid-range shots, the most percentage of mid-range shots in the country. And yes, that by itself is a fact, but you clearly know that like that was meant to come I just don't get him. I don't understand Matt Jones. Like, (laughs) Matt, if you're ever listening to this, stop, please. Like, stop. Like... we have we are fourth in offensive efficiency, and then you have the gall to take that picture and put it on Twitter. What do you think's gonna happen? Like, what do you think's the the reaction to that? Like, I, I do I do have to say the reaction more well the the intended reaction was supposed to be oh Cal never um, like adapts he never develops his game we're just stuck in like the old ways of mid range <laughs> shots. But I have to say the overwhelming reaction was actually people saying. Matt, this was a bad tweet. We're top five in offensive efficiency. Yeah. Just leave it alone. If we take mid-range shots and we make mid-range shots, let's keep taking I don't that. hate a mid-range shot if it's open. It's not the shot that you should hunt, but it's like if you hit them in an effective clip when they're open, then yeah, it's a good shot. You know what I mean? Well, Keon Brooks's best shot is the mid-range yeah. shot. Ty Ty Washington's best shot is the mid-range shot. Xavier Wheeler, if you're not letting him get layups... He'll hit it, that free he'll hit, he'll hit the... like. Elbow jumper on mm-hmm. a pull-up if you leave him wide open. And another important thing with the, the stat, with the mid-ranges, that takes into account for floaters. And we take, I think, probably more floaters than anyone else. Absolutely. It's not like we're like, oh, yeah, we're just pulling up from two every possession. We take a lot of floaters. We have done that, I mean, it seems like forever. Like, quickly, Maxi, um, you know, now Ty Ty, Davion. Um, and that's kind of our, one of our best shots. So, I mean, it's not a bad shot at all. Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not trying to rip any other media members. Scott can do that if he wants, oh, I but I, I know he will. You, you'll find that out soon enough on this podcast. But the, at the end of the day, if we are the best mid-range shooting team in the country, I hope we take more than everyone else because that's our best shot. Yeah. Including, like you said, Oscar. Oscar is great at that mid-range shot, and it, he almost seems more comfortable just shooting over people than almost bullying his way in. It seems yeah. like... A lot of the work that he does in the low post is to get positioning, but he doesn't necessarily like fighting through traffic. So he'll work his ass off to get open, and then he'll try to make the shot. But if he has a wide open mid range shot, he is going to take it. He doesn't even have to work. He'll he'll it's not even selling. That's a good shot. And Matt Matt Jones, no disrespect to you. I think you're a great guy. It's just sometimes it's like why you know what I mean why. And then another thing I want to talk about before we get back into the game. I want to talk about when Cal did his 30 days till bankruptcy line and the outcry nope. about that. What are we doing? You know, like, he doesn't actually mean that. And the fact that Kyle Tucker had to explain to people, like, guys, that's not what he genuinely meant. Like, Re- Really quick for y'all that don't know what he's referencing. I was actually literally about to bring this up before you brought it up. But Kyle Tucker put out a tweet, just basically quoting. He didn't even add anything himself. But he basically put out a quote of John Calipari saying, like, it was, I think it was on the Chris Mack situation, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's commenting on how Chris Mack, he had, Louisville was the num- AP number one team just two years ago at one point. Never, yeah. They, they, were, number th- they yeah. were number three when we beat them. So he was saying, basically, 
everything was going so well, and now he's had a tough stretch, and now he's out of a job. Um, and then he, the quote that he used was, we are all, as in college basketball coaches, are 30 days away from bankruptcy. And obviously everyone's like, oh, Cal Perry, you make $9 million a year. Well, you're not close. To, I would love to be that close to bankruptcy. Or Chris Mack just got paid $4.8 million to quit his job, basically, and not work anymore. I would love to be that close to bankruptcy. It's like, it's a metaphor. At no point was he talking no. money. And why are you pocket watching? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're not taking nine million dollars out of your own bank account and putting it into John Calipari's. Like, I get it. Yeah, he's a you know tax money, whatever. Stop pocket watching, guys. Please. It's. I get he makes nine million dollars, but what this man has done for this program, good for him. You know what I mean? Good for him. So that's all I'll say about it. But we, I think, as a collective, Big Blue Nation, we got to be a little bit better in ter- of of how we talk about our coach and what we take literally and what we don't take literally. So just that's all I got to say about that. But At the end of the day, I, I trust John Calipari. I know a lot of people might be turned off by some things he says or some of the things he does on the court. But at the end of the day, he is one of the best coaches at what he does. I mean, Top five, easily. Could, could you imagine Kentucky basketball playing the way that they did tonight three years ago with the three-point shooting that they did with, like, the dribble drives that they were doing, mm-hmm. the the defensive adjustments that they made, like going away from your point guard, Sauber Wheeler, the guy that he loves to run his offense, so going away from your point guard to throw in a freshman because he can shoot better and yeah. break down his own. Cal's never done that before, and mm-hmm. he made the adjustments. So this is – I'm super happy for Cal, I guess. I don't know if he actually listened to us or just figured it out himself. <laughs> if he goes through Twitter and was like, oh, I guess they want me nah. to shoot more threes, I yeah. guess I guess we'll do that. But I do want to get really quick, though, sorry, about the, the defensive game plan that he set up. So Absolutely. Please I do. watch I watch a lot of Kansas because, you know, my friends go there, um, and I like to see them lose so I can make fun of them. Um, but anyways, Cal's biggest strength, in my opinion, is being able to take away the team's top player. You saw it against last year against Scottie Pippen Jr. This year, Jabari Smith, like he got like 14 points, but it wasn't like, oh my God, Jabari Smith's taking over this game. And I told my friend earlier before the game, I said, Oach is not going to have a good game. Like he's just not. And that's not like me being like cocky. It's just <clears throat> keeping it real because Cal wants other guys to beat him. Jalen Wilson is not a problem. David McCormick is for sure not a problem. Dewan Harris, not a problem. Christian Brown, a little bit of a problem, but you can live with him getting his. And he had 13, so I mean, he didn't even go off. Um, and the rest of the guys on the bench, like Remy Martin, he's a little scary because he had a great four-year career at ASU. What the hell happened to him? He's been dealing with, like, injuries. And I think my friend was telling me, like, he's been on, like, the, like, Bill Self's, like, shit list a little bit. So, I mean, um, I guess that's kind of a, what's going on. But, I mean, he's still – he's a career, like, 18-point-per-game scorer. But besides Ochai, no one on that team really scared me. And the fact that – we were able to crack down on Oach by just, like I said, pressuring him so much, not helping off of him. Perfect game plan by Calipari. Once again, another defensive masterclass. So I don't know what if you have any thoughts about that. I just want to ask you while you're on the topic, what do you think that we were doing different on Ochai that we weren't doing the game before in Iverson Molnar? Because I think he had 30 points. We just couldn't guard him. <laughs> like, um, we had Ty Ty not being there is a big key. Because I think Davion Mintz as a defender, this isn't a credit to... Iverson Molinar is a bucket. Like, that dude is really good, and I think he'll have a pretty good NBA career. Um, 
Davion got severe got into foul trouble early, so he couldn't guard him. Davion got into foul trouble because I remember he would just blow by Davion because Davion, Davion had like four, had four fouls. fouls. Yeah, he had like stretch, most yeah. of the, like most of the game. Um, um, but besides that, like you know, Garrison Brooks didn't do much. Shaquille Moore had like five points. Like he's another problem too. And like Molinar got his, but at the end of the day, it's like circumstances. Like when you're all in foul trouble, it's gonna happen. So. Yeah, so going back into last night's game, we, we talked about Keon. I mean, Oscar was Oscar. The big thing, David McCormick, did I see this correctly? He was actually the high, the nation's best offensive rebounder in terms of offensive rebounding percentage. percentage. Yep. He had zero yep. offensive rebounds and one rebound total last game. What did you see from Oscar last night? I, like... The thing with Oscar is you look at any other big man, and if he drops 17 and 14, you're like, oh, wow, he had a really good game. And you look at Oscar, and it's like, oh, 17 and 14, that's just like, that's just like season averages. You know what I mean? Like, that's – and I was ta- like talking to my friend again. I was like, it didn't feel like he dominated really, but, like, he, had his, he, he exerted his presence. You know what I mean? 17 and 14 is nothing to joke about. He was 8 for 13 from the field, but four steals. He was a force in that second half at the start. Um, I think he had like two of those, two of the four steals there in like back-to-back possessions. He, he's, I think he's averaging 1.5 blocks and 1.5 steals. I think he's one of the few people in the SC that's doing that right now. So defensively, I think I'm going to take more away from this game in terms of Oscar defensively than I am offensively. I want to look up the people that for like an entire season have averaged 15 points, 15 rebounds, a steal and a half, and a block and a half. Because I bet that's a very small, very list. small <laughs> list, if if it's a list at all. But to me, it looked like... So Oscar Shibway and the um, Auburn game, and again, when you lose Ty Ty Washington, that hurts your perimeter defense. But we were getting cooked in the pick and roll, and a lot of that got put onto how Oscar was... Helping onto the guard but not getting back to the big on time. I think he either needs to stay home on the big and let the guard catch up or have another guy step up, or he needs to fully commit onto mm-hmm. the guard and have a backside defender come in and jump on. They did what, that what a lot better this year. Yeah. They did a lot better, and that's what I attribute the steals to because Oscar Sheboy, instead of standing in no man's land, it's like, all right, I'm not really guarding the guard, mm-hmm. I'm not really guarding the big. He would pick one and then he would go and get the ball. Like, there wasn't even a, it wasn't even a steal, but. His I forget drop, who yeah. it was. There was a, I don't remember who the guard was, but someone got in the paint, and Oscar like went up to guard the guard. The guard committed to passing. He fully sold out to going back to guarding the big, mm-hmm. and he wasn't able to steal it or even contest the shot, but he like went and absolutely swatted the ball before McCormick could catch it and get what was an easy oh, yeah, so he was that, yeah. He was playing the passing lanes so well. So just to see one week later, just that little schematic change, I mean... All of those steals, all the pass deflections. Um, and you see Ty Ty Washington had three steals as well. That's his side of the pick and roll. Like when Oscar stayed home, it was him that was the one that was getting the steals. So I was super that was the biggest thing with me because when I was looking at the Auburn game, I was like, all right, we're not gonna see a lot of teams with a guard like Katie Johnson and a big like Walker Kessler. I mean, yeah. Maybe Nemhard and Holmgren or Timmy over at Gonzaga. Mm. Well, maybe when we see Auburn again, but it's a really short list of teams. But if we can't guard that, that's our ticket home in March. You know, like that—that's yeah. what's going to send us home. So I was super proud of the way that Oscar did it. Um, going down the list of players, Kellen Grady—he has played 120 minutes aggregately in the last three games, and 
We saw in what's it called the overtime game against Mississippi State. He was the one who had clutch shots down the stretch. I mean, again, Auburn, he was one of our two healthy cards left on the roster. He had to do everything. Yeah. And tonight, he had the huge, huge um, task of having to be the primary defender of Ochai Baji. So he's had three huge tasks in three consecutive games, and he's had no rest. I look at a team like Auburn. They don't have a guy averaging more than 27, 28 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Like, even when we played them and it's a big game, you know their stars are going to play more. Yeah, they're deep. They didn't play anyone more than 30. Yeah. Are you concerned, especially with all the injuries that we're having, seeing Ty Ty, Savir, Kellen Grady all playing 35-plus minutes a game? Nah. Like, I'm going to just keep it real. Like, these guys are young guys, and they condition them well better than... I mean, Cal's known to... He's always done this, where he's played eight guys or seven guys. I mean... I'm not concerned at all. I mean, if this was like an NBA team and they were like 33, 30, like yeah, but they're all young, so I don't think I don't think there's much to be concerned about. Um, in terms of like you said with Kellen and his his defense, um, just a masterful job of you said you, you know the three last assignments that he's had to do in, in terms of guarding someone. He's done amazing. So um, just credit to Kellen for that. I mean. Especially in this game, Ochai Agbaji, he's a bucket, 21 points a game. But the fact that he was able to lock in and lock him down, and he only had 12 points. I mean, he shot four for seven, and all of them were threes. Um, it feels like he had a lot more than 12, I'm not going to lie. But he, he made clutch shots. He did what he needed to do. And he's a definitely an unsung hero um, of this game. Cullen Grady is one of those guys who you always feel like has more points than he really does. He averages because, 12, yeah. Because he has, you, you talk about guys that score quietly, he's the guy that scores loudly. Like, when he hits a three, it is always huge impact. Like, our boy Pels, like, once tweeted out, like, Kellen Grady always <laughs> hits the shots, like, when you need them the least. No, is that which the Mississippi is so, State game? Yeah. It is so far from the truth. Like, he hits the most big threes throughout the game. Like, he hit two different threes, I think, in the first half that caused Kansas to both call timeouts immediately. Yeah. He had a couple more in the second half, which when we started, it was like, we're up 20, and then it became like 12, 14, 15. He had the three to send it all the way back up to like 18, 19, or 20, whatever it was. So, super happy about Kellen Grady. He's, I know a lot of people talk about Oscar, Tyta Washington, he's the big freshman. Um, Kellen Grady, personally, is my favorite player on the team. And really? I guess what we're trying to learn a little bit more about you, who's your favorite player on the team, if you have one this year? Uh, Lance, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Lance is up there for sure, but probably Oscar. Just, I've never seen a player, like, I don't know what I'm, how to put this, but he accepts Big Blue Nation, so, like, he brings them in. Like, he, you can tell the joy that he has being here in Lexington, the joy that he has putting on a Kentucky jersey. I think everyone on this team in general feels that. These guys get it. You know, I remember when we retired Tubby's, uh, you know, jersey thing, whatever. And Ty Ty, who I'm sure never met Tubby, never, you know, probably didn't even know who Tubby was until a couple years ago, if I'm being real. Um, he tweeted out a picture of Tubby after the game. He said, like, legend, giving his props. Like, this team gets, they understand the history of Kentucky basketball. They know the pedigree of Kentucky basketball. Last year's team, I feel like it is what it is. You know what I mean? But this team... They're so family oriented, and I think Oscar has a lot of to to do with that in terms of his actions. And I think they kind of looked to him, and they're like, "Wow, all right, 
look at what he's doing off the court, and that's why I think Oscar's my favorite player. I agree with that because a lot of the biggest complaints from BBN about this new era of Kentucky basketball under John Calipari is they feel like they don't really get that connection with the players because they're only here one year, and a lot of cases, as people are expressing with Shane Sharp, people think that players use Kentucky just as a one-stop shop. They don't actually care, and they're just using it to get to the NBA. Couldn't be farther from the truth. It's, it's so farther from the truth, but you can clearly see it this year, I think more than any other year mm-hmm. under Calipari, that people are truly enjoying playing with that Kentucky across the chest yeah. and the checkerboard under their armpits. But anyways, moving on, um, just for the sake of time, I mean, I, we could talk about both these guys individually, but they do a lot of the same stuff. Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware, 15 points combined, 6 of 6 shooting, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 1 of 1 from behind the arc, 7 rebounds, like, just guys that come in are pure energy and just do everything that you would want right. guys in that role to do, so... What did you see from either both of them together or one of them individually? For starters, I want Toppin shooting more threes. I know he hit, he's only hit one last game, and then he hit one against State. Your brother is Obi Toppin. He's a very good stretch four in the NBA. I don't know if he's been in the lab with his brother, but they look like they have the same jump shot too. I want Toppin shooting threes. I think he's got a pretty pure jump shot, and coming into the year, that was a big complaint of mine. I was like, he's not a jump shooter. He doesn't space the floor. And he's making me eat my words. I want him shooting threes. And he played a very great game, 4 for 4 from the field. Lance Ware, though, coming into the year, I was so concerned about Lance. And he has proven me wrong time after time again. I love him. I love the energy that he brings. Every team needs a guy like him where you come in there, you bring physicality, talk talk a little crap to the other team, get under their skin. But he provides that energy, four points, four rebounds. But everything that he does goes so much deeper than what the box score can indicate. And that's why I think Lance is a very another unsung hero of this game. Yeah, so, I mean, going into the year, you knew that Keon Brooks was, for the most part, going to be your four. You knew Oscar Shibway were going to go through the five. Um, our guards were going to be some combination of Sabir, Ty Ty, Mintz, and Grady. And so if you go through that, that gets us to six. You knew Dante Allen probably wasn't just going to play that much just because these other guys are on another level. But I kind of was worried about Lance and Ware or not Lance Ware, Lance Ware and Jacob Toppin as what if Bryce Hopkins and Damian Collins come in and they are like diaper dandies, you know? Like they're just great right away as <laughs> oh, freshmen. Yeah, and and they push down Ware and Toppin out of the rotation. But Toppin and Ware have been really good, so that leads me to like look at the other side of it. Like, are you concerned with... I mean, we had eight guys play today, so other than Dante Allen and, of course, Shaden Sharp and C.J. Frederick who we weren't anticipating to play at all, the only two guys that didn't play were Bryce Hopkins and Damian Collins. And it seems like every time we put them in, especially in key games, they're just a step behind and not ready to contribute. So, I mean, are you concerned at all about maybe a transfer in the era of the transfer portal? Or do you still have hope that they can contribute this year? Do you think they're multi-year guys? Where do you stand on Bryce Hopkins and Damian Collins right now? I'm going to do it one by one. Bryce Hopkins, I'm afraid that he's going to transfer. Um... That's just me, though. I think Damian Collins kind of understands that he is a project, and I have hope that he'll be here for next year. And I okay. And before I say this, like I don't have any sources. I don't have anyone telling me like, oh, this, this, that. With Bryce, I I struggle to find what his role is. I I think he's a, a forward in a guard's body, and he doesn't have like he's not hyper athletic. 
he doesn't have like a set skill. You know what I mean? Like he does everything like decent, but he also has these brain lapses in the game where you know he's turnover issues or he'll forget to guard someone and kind of like what we saw like Lance last year. I'm not like I think I don't think I'm too wrong in saying that. So I think there there is a role for Bryce if he could pick it up. Um, he's got to get his confidence going. I think the biggest thing when you're a freshman and you come in with a high ranking and you're on the bench, your confidence can't get shaken. And I think they just got to get their confidence back. I do want to see Damian play a little bit more because I think he can offer shot blocking and for sure a lob threat. And you know Kentucky, they love their lobs. So I think we can get Collins some more run. Um, that'll be good. But this this lineup of Shibuya Brooks, Washington, Wheeler, Grady, Toppin, Ware, and Mintz, I love it right now. It's humming. It's firing on all cylinders. But if we could get Toppin – or not talking Collins and a little bit of Hopkins in there. I think um, they could for sure be um, a key contributor. And I don't want to talk about Shaden Char, but I don't know, man. You know, how do you feel about that? About I first of all, I kind of agree with what you said. The thing that concerns me the most about the Bryce Hopkins situation in particular is we see a lot of times that sometimes when we know that a freshman is going to be out early, or maybe it's just out of pure coincidence, but we see a, a top recruit come in in his position. Like, remember Johnny Juzang transferred to UCLA the next couple of years. Our best two recruits that year were Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston, who both played that, like, 2-3 position. Right. So it's like, where's Juzang going to play? And then it's like, oh, I guess he wasn't supposed to be here because he went and transferred. You look at, I guess even this past year, like Cameron Fletcher, like that 3-4 hybrid, knowing that he was most likely going to be out, we go and recruit Bryce Hopkins. So now we have Bryce Hopkins, again, like that 3-4 hybrid. We have a guy, Chris Livingston, who's probably, with Shane Sharp out of the class, Chris Livingston is, I feel like, a consensus top five player in the class. Man. He can play the three or the four. He's, like, kind of has a similar game to Bryce as well, where, like, he'll take that standstill jump shot, but is most he's most effective driving to the hoop and finishing down low and just using his size and physicality to get I, to the basket. Mm-hmm. So that part kind of concerns me, just seeing a guy that, is a higher ranking than Bryce was coming into next year's freshman class. Yeah. But with Damian Collins, we cur- currently not having any centers in that class or any rumors of any transfers yet. And even the possibility of like Oscar going to the draft like in like a early, late second round. I mean, I-, I could see the door opening up for Collins to be the man next year, so I'm not as sure. worried with him. But again, no no scoop on this end. But any any last things you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, it just felt really, really good to see Go Big Blue chant in that fraudulent stadium. No, I'm kidding. But Fog Allen, um, it was rocking, and I'm just so proud of these guys. They finally got their marquee road win. Proud of Kellen Grady for finally shooting the ball well on a road game. He had been struggling on the road, so props to him. Um, just one of my favorite wins as a Wildcat fan, and uh, we celebrated pretty good last night, didn't we? Absolutely. That is the reason <laughs> that this episode, what is supposed to be the quickest game review podcast in Kentucky basketball, a was, asterisk was not out this morning. <laughs> we got an asterisk on it because we were part, partying, celebrating that win pretty hard. But um, I got two questions, and then we'll get out of here. Number one, Kentucky is ranked what come Monday morning or afternoon? Seventh. Okay. And number two, Shaden Sharp does or does not play Tuesday against Vanderbilt? Hmm. He does. Do you know what? I'm going to agree with you on both of those. Kentucky comes in at 7. They should be 5, but whatever. 
I'll accept seven. And I think Shane Sharp, we see we see the kid a little bit. So. Vibes are high. Put Shaden in. You know what I mean? With that being said, where can we find you on maybe Twitter, other social medias, and the rest of your work? Uh, my Twitter is at Scott Clark with three E's at the end of Clark. I'm sure you could probably tag it in the... It'll be in the tweet yeah. that I posted on. Um, my work is on KentuckyKernel.com or KYKernel.com. Uh, I'll be posting articles a lot there. and um, I mean, not just basketball, but other UK athletics as well. And uh, yeah, I think this was a great first episode and pretty happy, so... Yeah, I'm at MattSackBBN on Twitter. You can find me at CatsCoverage.com. You can find the podcast on CatsCoverage.com slash podcast. Also, we have a new Twitter for the Courtside Connect. It is at the Courtside Co. Um, listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or just find it on Twitter, and I'll have a link there for you. With that being said, thank you guys for listening so much, and as always, go Cats. Okay, see you guys. Just need to clear my mind Just need a little more time In with the new Out with the old